Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are going to study Zechariah, the Prophet, <coughs> Zechariah chapter 9. This is Saul Weinreb, the host of the podcast. Um, in Zechariah chapter 9, he begins with a term that reminds us very much of Yeshayahu, of the Prophet Isaiah, in his section of what sometimes called the Masaot. <coughs> a Masa is often translated as an announcement or, or a pronouncement. When we studied Isaiah together, and I encourage you uh, to go back to uh, our podcasts on Isaiah, where I translated them as a burden, a masa as a burden to carry. The reason why I translate it then as a masa as a burden is because the masa refers to all of the Masaot in Yeshayo and here in Zechariah refers to a prophecy regarding other nations other than Israel. This is a burden, and but but the nonetheless the words are being addressed to the people of Israel, the recipients of the message. <coughs> the ones hearing it are the people of Israel and Judah. So it is a burden because <coughs> the people of Israel have a responsibility to not only take the message of God, hear the message of God, and live it, but also to bring that message to the rest of the world. And this, therefore, has some is in some sense a burden as well. It is a masa. Devar Adonai Be'eretz Chadrach. This is the first, <coughs> the word of God is in the land of Chadrach, which is some faraway land, not clear exactly what Chadrach is, but the word of God is in the faraway land of Chadrach, Vidamesek Menuchaso. And his place of rest, where God resides, is also and is in Damesek, in Damascus, in the other countries. Damascus, which is the capital of Aram in the early first temple days, <coughs> now uh, part of, uh, at this point, part of the Persian Empire. Because God, the eyes of man, the eyes of all humanity turn towards God, and they also turn towards the tribes of Israel. This is important because when we had just read the verse where ten men from all the nations will hold on to the cloak of the Jewish man saying let us go with you because we heard that God is with you over here again Zechariah in the next verse here which we just read just like in the last verse of the last chapter the first verse of this chapter he says the people the eyes of all humanity is looking towards God and those eyes are looking towards the tribes of Israel to see and learn the ways of God. Of course, we hope that when they look towards the tribes of Israel, they see the ways of God and they don't see corruption and oppression. The Gam Hamat, even the place of Hamat, Tigbol Ba, whose border is upon it, um, presumably the border is near Damascus, Tzor Vitzidon, and the cities of Tzor. Tzor, that's Tyre, Sidon, and Sidon. They are looking because we know they are very intelligent, they are very smart. For those of you that remember, the Radak reminds us of 
what of the length to which Ezekiel described the wisdom and greatness of Tyre and Sidon, the the example of how advanced the human society was, came the example was the Tyre, which was the central business and intellectual and and um, art hub of the world at the time, but. Um, of Ezekiel and Ezekiel discussed the what the downfall of Tyre was going to be, because they had pride in themselves, they had uh, the the that um, belief in the strength of themselves without being humble before God. So it was they were. But however, there's no question that they were very intelligent, they were very smart. The Radak reminds us that Zechariah here is also telling us that God resides there. And there they had that intelligence. And we know that what did Tyre do? Tyre built a fortress to protect herself against the others. And she gathered silver, she gathered money, just like dirt. She gathered so much wealth. And it was like there was gold in the streets. Literally, the streets were lined with gold. With the, the mud of the streets was gold. However, God is the one who is going to to um, take her over, to destroy her. And her forces, her, her, her armies will be defeated at sea. And she, Tyre, will eventually one day be destroyed in flame. Tyre, um, so again, Zechariah, is, this is very, very reminiscent of Yechezkel's message towards Tyre um, uh, and Tyre is the height, the example of, of, of what a human being can achieve and also the example of the mistake a human being and a human society can make in thinking that it is they that created all this wealth and not God. Tera Ashkelon Zechariah now turns towards the Philistines. This should remind us all, we found this in Jeremiah, we found this in Ezekiel, we found this in Isaiah. And to some extent, Zechariah is almost a miniature book of those great uh, earlier prophets. Um, that, that in the middle, after chastising the people, they all turn towards the other nations and mention the other nations and the, the fact that... Um, uh, th those that in the day of the future turn towards God will be redeemed along with the Jewish people, that the Jewish people will influence them for good and bring them closer, but also those that, um, that fall in the traps of pride will end up being destroyed. So now Zechariah turns his attention towards the Philistines, Tera Ashkelon, May Ashkelon, the city of Ashkelon, which was one of the capitals of the Philistines, see and tremble and be afraid. The Aza and the city of Gaza, should also see and be extremely frightened. The Ekron, Ekron was another city of the Philistine um, uh, state. Kihovish Mebata, why should, because her hopes, her dreams, the place where she looked, Mebata, where she looked, and where did she look? She looked towards Tyre. The Philistines were a coastal um, uh, society that did uh, business through ships with Tyre, Ty the capital of Tyre, when it fell. And we found these same exact themes being mentioned in Ezekiel. When she falls, then everything around her, all the places that depended upon her for commerce, 
also fall. The Avad Melach Me'aza, the king will be gone from Gaza. The Ashkelon lo Teshev, and the city of Ashkelon will no longer be settled with people because they will be destroyed when Tsar falls. The Yoshav Mamzer Biashdod, foreigners, people that don't belong there, will uh, just uh, random people will settle the city of Ashdod, which is another city of the Philistines. Vichrati, and I will cut off. Gaon, the pride, Pilishtim, of the Philistines. Again, the reference to pride being the ultimate downfall, the reason for the downfall of the Philistines. Vahasirosi damav mipiv. I will clear out the blood from his mouth. The blood from his mouth is painting this image of this fierce beast that tore other people apart. Um, the image of the Philistines as being oppressors. The blood. I will clear the blood from their mouths. And the disgusting pieces of meat stuck between her teeth. And even from among the Philistines, there will be remaining. Remember, Zechariah started this by saying that all people look to God. So God is saying, I'm going to destroy the pride of the Philistines. I'm going to destroy the pride of Tyre because they're too haughty. However, even from among those nations, there will remain those that Leloheinu that are coming towards and building a relationship with our God, with God Himself. And He, even among the enemy, that I'm going to destroy their pride and get rid of the arrogance and get rid of those among them that don't come to God. Those that remain, they will be just as valuable to me as one of the groups, one of the clans, one of the tribes of the nation of Judah. The Ekron, and Ekron, which was one of the cities of the Philistines, among them, Kiyavusi, they will be like the Jebusites, those Jebusites who remained uh, uh, like a vassal kingdom to Judah. So in other words, some of them will come so close to God that will be just as valuable as the people of Judah themselves, Ka'aluf Yehuda, and some will subjugate themselves to Judah, will, will become a, a vassal state, will serve, will help, will be part of the empire, but not necessarily as, as close to God as Judah themselves. V'chanisi libeisi mitzava. And I will... <coughs> Can't I will I will um, camp in my house? I will place my house, mitzava, in a place which um, <coughs> um, um, uh, uh, which which will which will be uh, strong like uh, like. Uh, like a mitzvah is like a, a mivzar or or a um, or a matzevah, just a strong place, a strong, like a, a rock, a fortress. Meoveru mishav, there will no longer be people passing through it. You know, people passing through as if the place was desolate. No, it will be strong. It will be a place that will guard. No longer will oppressors come to oppress Jerusalem, to oppress my city, to oppress where I place my temple, God says. Because now I see with my eyes. I can see with my eyes. Now what does this mean when God says that I can see with my eyes? This is very important <coughs> because um, the... Um, the uh, uh, remember what Zechariah said in chapter 3. Um, I'm going to read this to you now. When he was talking about 
when when God uh, so three verse nine, when when there was a mention of God's eyes. So let's look at that now for a second together. God says, the stone that I gave to Yoshua the high priest. There were seven eyes, and we had several mentions in Zechariah of these eyes of God, these eyes with which God looked out looked out and upon the people. Zechariah here is referencing back again to those eyes. God is saying, I have seen with my eyes, those eyes with which I promised you, I was going to watch over you. I was going to watch over the temple. Now I am seeing with those eyes and therefore now I'm going to protect you from your enemies. I just read verse eight. Now let's look at verse nine. Um, but before verse 9, I just want to mention something else. We also find in Jeremiah, where Jeremiah also um, uh, puts, this is Jeremiah 47, verse 4. If you look there, you'll see how Jeremiah also lumps together Tzor, the people of Tyre, with the Pelishtim, with the Philistines. Because of their business relationships, their commercial relationships, Zechariah looks to the two of them and criticizes Tzor as the center of commerce and the Pelishtim as those whose pride depends on their relationship with Tzor. We saw the same theme in Yirmiyahu. So here Zechariah is, is reflecting ideas from Ishayahu, from Yirmiyahu, <coughs> and from um, um, Yechezkel, as, as we've seen in the last several verses. We're going to see further how Zechariah references back to some other of the older prophets um, as we read through the rest the remainder of this parak of this chapter, Gili Maod Bastion. Here Zechariah says, Be very, very happy, those of you residents of Zion. Rejoice, be happy. Hari'i Bas Yushalayim. Call out in song, O daughter of Jerusalem, because he named Malkech Yabolach, because behold, your king is coming to you. Tzadik Vinoshahu. Your king is a tzadik, he is righteous. Benosha, and he is a savior, he is coming to save you. What kind of king is he that's coming? Not the kind of king of might, the king of swords, the king of riders and, and chariots, but rather on he is a, a poor man, or here it could really more likely means a humble man. He's not riding on a big proud horse, but rather he is riding upon a donkey. The Al Ayir ben Asonos, he is riding on a a donkey the child of donkeys the um the uh, image of the, the king the messiah the messiah himself coming riding on a donkey a humble man not a man riding on a big horse with a big sword and this proud like you see the statues of the of of the to the great generals of the past no this is the opposite image this is the image of a humble person He's not coming to conquer the world with swords and bows and arrows and chariots and, and tanks and guns. He's coming to conquer the world with what we're about to see. V'hichrati, God says in verse 10, and Rechab me'afrayim, I am going to get rid of all of those chariots. No more tanks in, in, the, in Ephraim. Here, Zechariah is bringing back, the, he's, he's kind of sliding in the, the uh, return of the northern kingdom of Ephraim, the northern kingdom of Israel, the ten lost tribes. I'm going to get rid of them. The Sus There will no longer be horses. Remember how many times we emphasized 
the image of horses was the image of the oppression of the Persian Empire. The people listening to Zechariah's speech right now think of horses as the symbol of oppression, the symbol of the strength and power of the empire under whose thumb they had to, were forced to live. God says, I will get rid of horses. They will no longer need horses. Not that I'm going to give horses to Jerusalem that can go ahead and conquer the others. No, but I will get rid of horses overall. The bow of war will be cut off. War will no longer be the way. You, your king, will not conquer the world. Your king is going to be riding as a humble man on a donkey. Your king will not win through war. He is going to speak peace to the other nations. He's going to speak in a peaceful way. That is how That is how he's going to build his kingdom from sea to sea. He's going to build his kingdom across the entire world by speaking peace. And from the river to the ends of the earth. And you yourselves also, he says to the people, by the blood of your covenant, the covenant that because of that covenant that you had between you and God, you suffered so much. I have gotten rid of those of you that were captured, that were thrown in the pit, that were captured, that were tied down, that were uh, in captivity. I have sent you out of captivity. And you were in that pit, Ain Mayimbo, where there was no water. This is completely reminiscent and deliberately designed the Zechariah is telling us to remind us of the pit which Joseph was thrown into I have taken you out of that prison God says I have taken you out of that prison why because of the suffering that you had to go through because of that special covenant you went through all of that suffering because you had a bris with me because you had that special arrangement that special relationship with me and because of that you suffered therefore I have freed you from that pit the pit with no water in it. Now that I've freed you, come back to the place of security. Come back to the place, the Mibzar that I told you about before, <coughs> the fortress of security. Who should come back? Those of you that were prisoners because of hope. <coughs> you were prisoners because you lost hope, because you didn't see hope. But no longer shall you be prisoners because you shall see that there is reason to hope. Even today, Magid I will send you someone who will say this message over and over again. Magid Mishneh, repeatedly say this message. The Magid Mishneh, this is verse 12 I'm reading now. He who repeats the message, sometimes when a people are lost of hope and they're in that pit where there's no water, they're Asirei Hatikva, they're lost because they have no hope. When the messenger of hope comes, when redemption comes, they could say it over and over and over again, but the person is so hopeless, he doesn't even believe it. He says, you're free, you're free, and he doesn't hear it. That's why you need a Magid Mishneh. It needs to be repeated over and over again. You're free, you're free, you're free to say it over repeatedly, Mishneh, over and over again, until the message gets through that Shilachti Asirach Mibar. I have saved you. <coughs> I have taken you prisoners out of the pit. Kidorachti Li Yehuda. I have... Now, instead of my my uh, instead of war weapons, instead of instead of power, instead of might, instead of tanks and airplanes, darachti li Yehuda, I have made Judah, I have made the Jewish people into my weapon. Keshes milesi Ephraim, I have made my keshes in 
my bow of war is is I filled as Ephraim. It is Ephraim who is my bow. Vi I have awakened your children, O Zion. I have awakened them. Orarti means I have awakened them to worship me, to come close to me. They are now my weapon because they are worshiping me. That message of shalom that their king is going to speak to the Goyim, Albonayach Yavon, that's the message which is going to be brought to your children, Yavon. Your children of Greece, Yavon is Greece. Many of the posts can look at this as some kind of a prediction of the future, but it's not, I don't believe that's what Zechariah means at all. Zechariah is here saying that, like he repeats over and over again, you are the weapon. Torah is the weapon. Shalom, peace is the weapon. That is what is going to bring back even your children, Greece, your children of the non of the Gentile world. Just like I said before, all those nations are going to grab onto the cloaks of the Jews and come and want to learn. All of those nations, all every that man, the eyes of mankind are looking towards God. That's the message of Samtich Kicherav Gibar. I'm going to make you like the sword of the powerful man. You bringing the message of Shalom will be instead of the Cher of Gibar, the sword of the powerful man. And then God will appear above them. Above them could mean above the entire world. It can also mean above the, the Jewish people. Then God's arrow will come out like lightning, like a lightning strike. Now this particular verse here is reminiscent of a lot of different things <coughs> We find, if you look in um, uh, Chavakuk, I want to turn to the Navi Chavakuk, because again, Zechariah, and I've quoted Chavakuk before, because um, this particular chapter, Chavakuk 3, is a chapter that Zechariah draws upon over and over and over again, just like he draws upon the other, the other <coughs> prophets. Let's look at Chavakuk uh, chapter 3, verse 11 is where I'm going to start. And um, then you'll understand exactly what Zechariah is saying. <coughs> he says, Shemesh yoreach This is talking about the day of God when God comes. The sun and the moon will stand high. By the light of your arrows, Yahalechu, the sun and the moon will go. Linoga by the shine. Of the shine, the lightning, the shine of your spear. Um, the, over here, what this is, Verse 13 in Chavakuk, this is when you go out to save your nation. To save your Mashiach, your Messiah. These, this is what, the, the, what Zechariah is referring to here when he says um, um, in verse 14 that the day in the future God will appear above his people. His chetz, his, um, his arrow will come out shining forth like a strike of lightning. God is going to blow with a shofar. He's going to blow with a horn, just like this is the shofar, the shofar of redemption, the horn uh, announcing the redemption. And he will, um, if we look back in the same chapter of Chavakuk, go just wind back a little bit to verse 3, he also says, God coming from the south, from Taman, the land of Taman, the faraway land of Taman, Zechariah is again referring to that same chapter of Habakkuk in the same verse. God coming from, in a storm, from Taman, from the south. 
The Lord God will protect them, not the swords, not the chariots, but God will protect them. They will devour and they will capture those those uh, stones that are used, the catapult stones that are used. They will destroy, they will eat them. In other words, they will collect them because those catapult storms have no power against God himself. They will drink and they will fill themselves like they were drinking wine. So instead of getting struck by these, by the catapult stones, they will uh, collect them, drink them, eat them like wine. And they will fill their land up with, with these stones, just like you fill up a bowl, a bowl which is used to spray the blood of the sacrifices on the temple to collect the blood. They will collect these stones. Just as the corners of the Mizbeach collect blood. God will save them just he will save his nation on that day by that day in the future when redemption comes he will save them just like he saves sheep they will be like sheep but not sheep being led to the slaughter but sheep being protected by their shepherd God because they are not they are not stones like the last like the the other nations are throwing at them catapult stones but they are the stones of God's crown the stones of God himself's crown but now they these are shining and glittering on God's land because and I'm going to read this verse this is verse 17 the last verse in chapter 9 because what is good for God and what is beautiful before God what does God think is good what does God think is beautiful is Dogon Bachurim, is when young men are born and raised like one raises grain across the land, when the land is full of young men, Vitirosh, and it is, you know, Vev Besulos, and the women and young women are, are blossoming like wine and like grapes blossom from the vines. This is what God says is good. Whenever someone wants to know, what it is that God finds good. When God looks at his world, what does he feel is beautiful? Well, Zechariah asked that question and gave us an answer. Matuvo, what is good before God? and what is beautiful to God? It is, it is young families, young men, young women, children, growing and prospering on his wonderful earth. Thank you so much for paying attention to Zechariah chapter nine. Looking forward to studying chapter 10 and the rest of this beautiful book together.